Elizabeth and Darcy, a tale of enemies to lovers. Jane and Bingley, a tale of love at first sight. Lydia and Wickham, a tale of lust and flirtation. All of these relationships are found in the midst of our novel in question, Pride and Prejudice. Each has a unique story and elements of what was acceptable in the Regency era and what was definitely not. Some serve as the idolized romances, while others are cautionary tales. While marriage was seen as life's crowning achievement in the Regency era, it wasn't always what people were searching for. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Ostentatious. I'm your host, L.A. Gravens, and this week we are officially getting into Pride and Prejudice. If you can't tell, I'm very excited to be sharing with you some of my vast knowledge of the novel. I absolutely adore Pride and Prejudice, especially the love stories in the book. So this topic is going to be one of my favorites. I personally love reading about Elizabeth Bennet and Mr. Darcy. Their romance story is one that is perhaps the center of the novel and is a tale as old as time, really. <laughs> the romantic feelings weren't always present for one another, and as Elizabeth Bennet once said, you are the last man whom I could ever be prevailed upon to marry. Whoa. <laughs> Sorry for the accent, I just couldn't help myself. Today we're going to get into some of the main relationships in the novel, exploring where exactly these relationships fall on the Regency-era scale of acceptableness. Yes, that is something I just created, and don't worry, I will explain later on. Before we begin, I'm going to quickly explain a Sparknotes version of some of the main characters, their locations, and important details in the novel. Plus, if you haven't already read Pride and Prejudice, this will contain a good deal of spoilers. But I hope you've read Pride and Prejudice, because also some of this won't make sense unless you've at least heard of the book. <laughs> Alrighty, let's get to it. Also, sorry, one final note. For this episode, I'm going to focus on three main relationships that are found within the novel. Elizabeth Bennet and Mr. Darcy, Jane Bennet and Mr. Mangley, Lydia Bennet and Mr. Wickham. Now, this is not to say that any other relationships aren't main or like focal points in the novel. I just think these three are the best examples of what a relationship in the Regency era could be. All right, let's get to it. Again, here are the characters I'll be discussing. Elizabeth Bennet, she's the lead protagonist of the novel and is the second eldest child of the Bennet family. She's got no money um, and is already 20 years old, which means she's kind of like on the late end for getting married. Um, but she's equipped with an intelligent mind and strong convictions. She eventually falls in love with our second main character, Mr. Fitzwilliam Darcy. He is the eldest child in the the Darcy family, having a younger sister, Georgiana. And he makes about, uh, let's say, 10,000 pounds a year, which is about a million pounds today, which then if you convert that to like American dollars, yeah, he's got about like a million and a quarter dollars a year. So yeah, he's loaded. Did I also mention he owns like half a county on like a really huge estate that he's just like, oh yeah, this little estate? Yeah, nothing much. Yeah, he's loaded. <laughs> All right, and then Jane Bennett is the oldest 
Bennett daughter who falls in love with Mr. Bingley, a single man of good fortune. Yes, he makes about 5,000 pounds a year. So do the math. He makes about half of what Darcy does every year, but he's still very rich. <laughs> and he just happens to become the Bennett's neighbor at the beginning of the novel. Uh, honestly, it was love at first sight with Jane and uh, Bingley. And believe me, they were meant to be together. Their love story is so very sweet to com compared to the complicated trials Elizabeth and Darcy went through. Finally, Lydia Bennett is the youngest daughter of the Bennett family who somehow finds love or lust or just a flirtatious attraction with Mr. George Wickham. Uh, Wickham is the textbook definition of a scoundrel, having tried to seduce Georgiana Darcy and, and even try to marry her, as well as some other women, uh, merely just to get their money. Yeah. He's buried in debt and has nothing but awful intentions with Lydia, who is swept away by the fact that Wickham is in the army. Yes, literally the one connection between the two is that Lydia is in love with Red Redcoat and Wickham just so happens to have one. Yeah. All right. And to top all this off, the main events of the story take place in England and mostly in Hertfordshire, which I just found out is about north of London and then London, of course, and Derbyshire. And also there's a place that's mentioned called Gretna Green, which is in Scotland. And the whole novel, it technically takes place in like the early 1800s, although it was written, I've, I've seen this, that was like written in the late 1700s. But typically uh, when people do adaptations of this, it's kind of set around like the 1810s, somewhere around there. So yeah. Okay, now let's get into the relationships. Again, here are the characters I'll be discussing. Elizabeth Bennet, she's the lead protagonist of the novel and is the second eldest child of the Bennet family. She's got no money um, and is already 20 years old, which means she's kind of like on the late end for getting married. Um, but she's equipped with an intelligent mind and strong convictions. She eventually falls in love with our second main character, Mr. Fitzwilliam Darcy. He is the eldest child in the the Darcy family having a younger sister Georgiana and he makes about uh, let's say 10,000 pounds a year which is about a million pounds today which then if you convert that to like American dollars yeah he's got about like a million and a quarter dollars a year so yeah he's loaded did I also mention he owns like half a county on like a really huge estate that he's just like oh yeah this little estate yeah nothing much yeah he's loaded <laughs> All right, and then Jane Bennett is the oldest Bennett daughter who falls in love with Mr. Bingley, a single man of good fortune. Yes, he makes about 5,000 pounds a year, so do the math. He makes about half of what Darcy does every year, but he's still very rich. <laughs> and he just happens to become the Bennett's neighbor at the beginning of the novel. Uh, honestly, it was love at first sight with Jane and uh, Bingley. And believe me, they were meant to be together. Their love story is so very sweet to com compared to the complicated trials Elizabeth and Darcy went through. Finally, Lydia Bennett is the youngest daughter of the Bennett family who somehow finds love or lust or just a flirtatious attraction with Mr. George Wickham. Uh, Wickham is the textbook definition of a scoundrel, having tried to seduce Georgiana Darcy and, and even try to marry her, as well as some other women, uh, merely just to get their money. Yeah. 
He's buried in debt and has nothing but awful intentions with Lydia, who is swept away by the fact that Wickham is in the army. Yes, literally the one connection between the two is that Lydia is in love with Red Redcoat and Wickham just so happens to have one. All right, and to top all this off, the main events of the story take place in England, and uh, mostly in Hertfordshire, which I just found out is about north of London, and then London, of course, and Derbyshire. And also there's a place that's mentioned called Gretna Green, which is in Scotland. And the whole novel, it technically takes place in like the early 1800s, although it was written, I've, I've seen this, that was like written in the late 1700s, but typically, uh, when people do adaptations of this, it's kind of set around like the 1810s, somewhere around there. So, yeah. Okay, now let's get into the relationships. So relationships in the Regency era were strictly regulated by tight social expectations. Uh, let's start with the women's. For a woman, more like a lady really, was never allowed to be in any way seeming wanting. So wanting is like, you know, putting yourself out there. This would mean basically in today's standards, a woman would never ask a guy out or even spend alone time with him while still unmarried. That doesn't seem too big of a deal, but during the Regency era, a woman's virtue was all she had to her name. That and a dowry if her family was rich enough. In the Bennetts' family case, they were not rich enough, so none of the Bennett girls had any money to their name, leaving them with a very limited chances of marrying anyone above their social standing. They would kind of just have to settle for the first guy who proposes to them, which didn't really happen, but I'll talk about that later. Anyways, back to the social expectations. A lady's virtue would appear to be tainted by even the smallest misunderstanding. I mean, even without the internet, word traveled fast. I mean, everyone loved gossip, especially if you were in like a big town or a small town, actually. I meant a uh, small town because like, you know, word travels around fast. If you ever hear that, everybody knows within like the span of two minutes. Anyways, so like even if a young unmarried lady like disappeared for a short while with a gentleman, like if they just went on like a walk, people would make like serious accusations about your relationship and they would assume things that are very far from the truth so i mean a man's reputation would barely even get a scratch by any of this while the woman would practically be shunned entirely by society and she would have a very slim chance of getting married to anyone above her social standing or basically anyone in general who like has heard about her really so yeah society heavily looked down upon women and held them up to a higher standard than gentlemen I mean, like for gentlemen, it was almost considered to be cool to be seen as a rake. I had to look this up, but like a rake is a man who gambled or engaged in relations outside of marriage. So like, I'll just leave it at that. But you can obviously tell there was two different standards for men and women at the time. Also, finally, the pinnacle of a woman's purpose was to get married, usually to a man who had a title or more money than her. So like, you know, Obviously, the, some of the men girls achieved this, but like basically that's what you were doing. Like you were throwing yourself at these men who had high, who had a lot of money or had a title even, like you wanted to get married. But also for a guy, 
his kind of his his thought process isn't always the same sometimes it was like an arranged marriage which was very common at the time two people of a very rich family would you know have them get married so that you know money stays in the family so you can just build up that wealth and just get insanely rich but also at the same time men would get married so that they could have an heir especially when they have a large fortune because they don't want to give their fortune to like a distant relative because that's how inheritance worked then um so they would want to get get a wife who can give them an heir and that was probably basically it i mean in other cases obviously they fell in love but those were kind of like the social reasons why they needed to get married so all three of the relationships that i mentioned before achieved marriage but not exactly in the same way <laughs> Um, so let me just get into this. My Regency era scale of acceptableness, uh, I, I kind of like made it based on uh, like whether they followed like social expectations and like how many social modes they broke <laughs> at the same time. So like it's from a scale of one to 10, one being the most socially acceptable to 10 being the most scandalous, like they were off the rails and each of the relationships that i mentioned falls at like a different point so let's start with the perfect couple jane and bingley were love at first sight and they followed every single social expectation to the t first jane remained very subtle in her feelings towards bingley in public she made sure not to appear in any way wanting, nor did she ever even make any advances in order to secure Bingley's love. Which, although if she could have made a little bit more of an effort, they might have gotten married sooner in the novel, but that's a whole nother thing. I mean, like, she was very subtle in her feelings. Like, everybody didn't actually think she liked him in a way. Like, they always wanted them to be together, but they like, oh, Bingley's attraction is more because he's like openly out there making all these gestures while Jane is just kind of going along with it. But in reality, she's head over heels in love with him. And, you know, it's a love story that's incredibly cute and amazing. Okay, so back to the relationship. Secondly, Bingley, he was the perfect gentleman then and now. He never engaged in any scandalous conduct. And I mean, honestly, he even barely had the courage to speak to Jane. That's how sweet and innocent this little golden retriever is. And like, it just makes it all the better and sweeter. At no point did they ever breach any social conduct code. And even when things came between the relationship and pushed them away from each other for a while, they eventually found their way back together. And it was like, none of that ever happened. It was just like, you know, they pressed pause and then like play and then there's like nothing in between. So by the end of the novel, they get married and they are the happiest couple alive. Team perfect, let's go. Okay, so now after hearing about that, which is basically everything a woman and a guy ought to do in the Regency era to be together, let's dive to the opposite side of the spectrum. The, uh, what shall I call them? Train wrecks. Yes, I am indeed talking about Lydia and Wickham. <laughs> they are the ones who manage to throw everything into chaos. Their love story revolves majorly around Wickham's past and present as a scoundrel and Lydia's ability to somehow just fall in love with every guy she meets and just listens to them completely without a care in the world. The relationship begins as a flirtation. Um, Lydia, like I said, is basically just flirting with every person. Like, I kid you not, almost every guy who was in the army or even had a pulse or was kind of cute, she flirted with him. 
This was in no way acceptable, nor was it even passed off as a childish attraction. Everyone gossiped about her very scandalous ways. Even Darcy brought it up, like his like when he's proposing to Elizabeth for the first time, and then is like, "Yeah, your family's conduct is absolutely terrible, especially your younger sister's behavior." Yeah, that's how bad it gets. But then back to the relationship, they kind of just turn into just a societal disaster. They run away together, which is absolutely awful. They say that they're going to get eloped in Gretna Green, which at the time was the only place that a young lady who was under the age of 21, I believe, yeah, uh, that could get married without her father's consent. So in England, you couldn't do that. But since Gretna Green was in Scotland, they technically had different laws at the time, and that could happen. Now, that, like, kind of actually... um, that law stayed in place, I think, until the early 1900s. So, yeah, it was basically you could not get married without your father's consent. And I doubt Mr. Bennett would have given his consent for her to marry Wickham after learning about how they came together. Anyways, um, they go to London and they have absolutely no plans of getting married because Wickham changes his mind and finds out that, yeah, a woman with no dowry doesn't really help his quest and um getting rid of all of his debts and helping his gambling addiction. What I mean is him help by helping his gambling addiction. I did not misspeak there. Uh, he literally just tries to go after women with a lot of money so that he can pay off his debts and then make more debts because he loves to gamble away that money. So yeah. And like they could do everything p- possibly wrong. Okay. So back to Wickham's kind of like bad side of this whole entire relationship. Wickham, as I mentioned before, is very money oriented. He's his only goal is to get money from anyone he can squeeze it out of and then proceed to gamble it away and create massive heaps of debt in his wake. On top of all this, he tries unsuccessfully, thankfully, to marry several young women with considerable fortunes. And I mean young. Lydia was 16. Other ladies that he was going after were around the same age. This included Georgiana, who was literally a person he grew up to, grew up with. She looked up to him as if he was her brother, and then he tries to seduce her and like convince her that she's madly in love with him, and then tries to run away with her so that they can get eloped, all while she is just 15 years old. So yeah, Wickham is making some big mistakes, and you know it's very hard to hide that. So to summarize, Lydia's behavior left her up to all the gossip in the world. Plus, she also went along with Wickham's plan to run away, seeing absolutely nothing wrong with it. Wickham was a scoundrel through and through, having no worries whatsoever about ruining a young lady's reputation. Also, like, not only was Lydia's reputation ruined by the fact that they ran away together, but the Bennett family's reputation was temporarily ruined by the fact that those two were living together while not being married. And that means that all the sisters, their chances of getting married are now very slim. So yeah, Lydia managed to ruin a whole lot of stuff just with like several like small actions. Somehow they do end up getting married. Lydia and Wickham get married somehow and I'm still surprised that it was like brought together. This was also only due to the fact that Darcy actually goes and like finds them in London and brings them together and pays off Wickham's debts, pays him like a bunch of money so that Wickham like will be happy with another life. And then basically they get shipped off to the North and to not bother anybody else. Yeah. So overall, yes, they were a total utter disaster. Okay. 
Finally, to finish us off, I have the middle-ish couple. They have the most interesting love story, in my opinion. They begin as enemies, insulting each other left and right through subtle comments, yet also managing to flirt at the same time. Honestly, I would love that in my life. <laughs> That's right. I am talking about the one and only Elizabeth and Darcy. Now, neither couple actually breaks any social codes, but there are still some things that weren't exactly perfect, per se. First off, Dar Darcy manages to allow his pride, <laughs> part of the title of the novel, allows um, his pride to basically just like rule his life. He insults Elizabeth at the very first ball in the book, basically cementing their hate for one another that lasts about half the book. It also starts their love attraction, so I don't know how that worked. Anywho, this is resultant from, like I said, his immense amount of pride and lack of overall social skills. This leaves him to be highly gossiped about in town and looked down upon, even though he's like literally the richest man that ever like walk in the little towns. Like, it was kind of a disservice to them. Anywho, so yes, although this is as bad as being a rake, it still isn't great to make everyone in a town hate you. Like in the first line of the book, young men with fortunes are also in need of finding a wife, most even only just to have someone inherit their money. So with that in mind, Darcy still manages to alienate every living woman in that town. So yeah, bye-bye a couple of points for their... Uh, where they are on the scale. Then, um, Elizabeth, she manages to reject not only one, but two marriage proposals. I mean, like, okay, I completely understand why she rejected Mr. Collins, because he was absolutely creepy, and that whole relationship was doomed from the beginning. And then he, she also manages to reject Darcy the first time, which I also kind of saw that because they weren't exactly on friendly terms and he did some stuff. And I mean, eventually he changed, but yeah. So like, while these are perfectly understandable and reasonable in our eyes that she rejected them both, rejecting not only one, but mar two marriage proposals at that time would make it seem like she's not the marriage type. In the Regency era, if a marriage proposal falls through, it reflects badly upon the lady and not the gentleman. So this docks a point or two from Elizabeth's and Darcy's score. Also on top of all this, Elizabeth, she engages in gossip, which is not ladylike, like, she's not that's not a lady like manner to have and so it wasn't a good thing for her to engage in that and help spread rumors about darcy which ultimately weren't true and you know that's whole that's a whole thing in itself but also again that's unladylike manners from her which are exactly the best thing in the world so in the end, yes, they do get married. It's the sweetest thing. When And when Darcy finally confesses his love again and Elizabeth feels the same, it's like chef's kiss, picture perfect moment when they finally get married. It's amazing. Still, I mean, they manage to make some small, big-ish societal errors that make them the not so perfect, perfect couple. And I absolutely love that. <laughs> To finish up our episode, um, I just want to do a quick explanation that kind of wraps it all up. I mean, these three couples show some of the different types of relationships that could exist at that time. And honestly, I've loved every single like adaptation that's shown them because they do keep like the main elements there, but also give a little bit of variance in what that kind of looked like. Um, at the same time, I mean, like 
Jane Austen did such a good job at giving us like a healthy mix of all of them in the novel. Like you get to see the perfect relationship, Jane and Bingley. They follow every social code, and even when things don't don't go their way, they end up coming back together by the end of the book.、Um, and then you got the like the so-so couple, Elizabeth and Darcy. You know they have their own mistakes, but eventually they overcome them, and they get together in the end. And honestly, I love their dynamic too a little bit more than Jane and Bingley because for them, Jane and Bingley, it it feels a little flat compared to everyone else. You know. You know they, you know they're gonna fall in love from the moment that they appear at the ball together. You know that's their story, and they kind of have like a, like a meh personality to them. Like it's not like anything, you know, like outrageous or anything, as opposed to Elizabeth and Darcy. They have the like the best like rhetoric between the the two of them, and they can like. You know, insult each other while also kind of like making fun of each other, and like their energy matches each other, and I really like that. And it feels very natural and normal. And then there's Lydia and Wicca, which honestly, I don't really like that much. <laughs> I just, oh, if you can tell by the way I like explained the relationship, how I really like just like found every fault that I could with the relationship, you will understand why, because. They make every single error possible, and yet also like a lot of characters tend to forgive them. At least Lydia. People tend to forgive Lydia more than they do Wickham. But、um, I really like seeing that dynamic and how the other characters react to that. Because you know, like you'll see Mrs. Bennet, and she'll be like, she was so. So absolutely, like out of her mind when she finds out Lydia ran away. But then, like she's so happy. So when she suddenly receives the news, all like, oh yeah, they're gonna get married after like literally they've been forced to get married, and she's so happy. So it's it's interesting to see like the different reactions in the novel to that, and then also at the same time realize like that was pretty scandalous, and they were very lucky that that thing got patched up. So, anyways. I'm. That's kind of like what it to for if for today. I just kind of wanted to go into each relationship that I thought was the most important, and that sometimes like we don't understand why they're so scandalous. Because honestly, some of those things are a bit normal for us today, except for like the age thing. Because honestly, that the ooh, that age age gap between some of those characters absolutely astonishing. But still, like if you think about it, as Lydia was an older. Person maybe if she was in at least her twenties and she ran away with Wickham, you would kind of think that's normal these days. And if they lived together like that, but then, hell no,、nah. <laughs> oh hell to the no no no, that would not have happened. <laughs> so next week we're gonna come back and we're gonna dive deeper into Pride and Prejudice, and I'm gonna take a little bit of detour from. From the romantic side of this into the balls and the social importance behind the balls, and also I just want to add like a little bit of like an extra in there, like why are there so many letters? Honestly, like this is the reason why we don't have rainforest anymore because of all those letters that they sent. <laughs> But like. There's so many, like there's so much weight upon things that we wouldn't think are important now, that were important in the Regency era that I would love to just touch upon, and then after that, after we get through some of these like you know like key elements that I feel like I need to explain, I want to get into how 
all of these things are shown in certain adaptations of Pride and Prejudice. And because I some of them do a really good job, honestly. And some of them have a little bit of like, they take a little bit of liberty in how they show relationships and how they show the Regency era, for example. Uh, and I would just love to explain that, but then if I just went into that first off, you wouldn't quite understand some of the things that I was discussing. So I wanted to get like these big explanations of some of the biggest like topics in the in the book out of the way, and then we can get into the movies and the TV shows and explain what exactly are we looking at. <laughs> so that's it for today. Come back next time to hear more and dive deeper with me into everything Pride and Prejudice. Subscribe to Ostentatious to never miss an episode. Till next time, my fellow Jane Austen fanatics.